Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Peak Results Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rich Fournier, and today I sit down with a top producing real estate agent. Her name is Joanna Rhodes, who is located in Lincoln, Nebraska. Now, Joanna was ranked 165 in the country in the United States for individual transactions by Real Trends. Now, she completed 147 individual transactions last year in 2019 completely by herself. She doesn't have any admin staff, which is outstanding. And my greatest takeaway from this podcast was that you must love the process. You must love what you do. You must love your clients. CRM systems are not a focus for her. She has zero real systems. Um, some of the systems that were taught in the real estate business, she doesn't have any of those systems. Um, and that's super intriguing to me. So I hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I enjoyed doing it. Enjoy it. Reach out to me if you have any questions. Have yourself a great day. Have you ever wondered why some people thrive in all areas of their life? Welcome to the Peak Results Academy podcast with your host, Rich Fournier. Each week, we interview industry experts who consistently dominate in the fields of health, business, and beyond. Our mission is to share their personal struggles and strategies so that you can create your own peak results. Welcome to the Academy. Hello, welcome back to this episode of the Peak Results Academy podcast. I'm your host, Rich Fournier, and I'm very excited today to have one of the most successful women real estate agents in the United States and pretty much in North America. Um, Joanna Rhodes, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. So I'm super excited to have you. I gotta be honest with you. I'm, to have someone produce at the level that you're producing at, a mom, a wife, you know, 147 transactions last year, 2019 individual transactions for my listeners, for them to hear that, um, you know, in Lincoln, Nebraska, maybe about 280,000 people, 290,000 people. Pretty spot on. Yeah. You know, lots of competition, I'm sure. I think about a thousand agents in our MLS or okay. in our region. Yeah. Okay. Right. And then you're, you get two small kids and you're selling 147 properties in a calendar year it's extraordinary how do you do it that's like we'll get right down to it how you know before we get right into the granular aspect of it so you've been in the business for how long um i was doing the math earlier in september all it will be 10 years since i got my license this september wow and has it when you first got into the business did you feel like did you come in with a database and and, and someone handed you a list of people or how did that work I just moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, and I had moved a million times in my life, but when we moved to Lincoln, we got married, and I said right before the wedding, I'm going to get my real estate license because I have a feeling we're not moving again. So <laughs> I got my license, and I was working a full-time job, and I let them know. I just, you know, I picked up a side gig because I didn't want them to be upset if they saw my name anywhere, so I kind of just went rolling with it. I didn't know anybody out here besides my husband and the acquaintances that he had met. Okay, this is perfect. Like you're like the perfect person to interview because not only are you producing your mom, you got two small children. I think you said six. I got pregnant right when I got my license with the first kid and then had the other kid two years later. Then two year kids too. Okay, so can we go into the beginning stages of starting with zero influence, zero database? Um, because 
everyone talks about the internet. Everyone talks about door knocking. Like, what did you do day to day to start creating a database? Um, I've never door knocked in my life. I've never cold called in my life. I am so shy, which is funny because I'm not with my clients, but that is just not in my realm of things I like to do. So immediately I started doing open houses and I can tell you my first clients all came from open houses. I followed up with them. I cared about them. They had no idea I was brand new and I started there. So my little secret, which was internet, I was sitting at my day job and Zillow kept calling me 2015 and I was sick of sitting at the day job. And my sister who is a realtor in um, California said, I'll pay for it if it doesn't pan out, just do it. It was like a hundred, I don't know, it was cheap back then. So I paid for Zillow and I got my first lead off Zillow and I thought, oh, I know how to convert. I had never had that opportunity before. So I converted that first lead and it just started snowballing. And now, even though I do so many transactions, a lot of those are referrals, but I can track them back. And I would imagine a lot of those referrals came from original internet leads back in 2015. So I still do everything right now, but I was just willing to give it a shot when people said that's a waste of money. I was willing to spend my own money that I did not have on leads to see if it would pan out. And if it didn't pan out, I was just going to cancel, but it panned out. So kind of went with it. (laughs) Right. I entered a brand new market, didn't know anyone as well. And I went straight to the internet, straight into lead gen and delivering, trying to deliver value that way. So... So you, you did open houses, so you started creating a database, and how did you follow up with those original people that you met at open houses? What did you do? You know, text and email. Hey, I met you today at such and such house. Are, do you, would you like some help finding, you know, just asking them the normal questions. Do you need help getting pre-approved? <clears throat> Sorry, do you need help looking for, you know, just the normal questions. And I was shy back then, so I didn't ask the same questions I asked today. I probably spent a little more time on folks that maybe I wouldn't today because they weren't serious, but I just kept following up. My first client, it took three or four emails of follow up for them to say, Oh, actually we do want you to help us find a house. That's great. Now, did you have a formalized CRM system or how did Um, that? Here's another joke in my office. I still do not have any CRM system right now. I have a Google live spreadsheet that I use with tabs right now. And I keep everything there in the hopes that one day I will find the time to do something. So I'm a little bit of a. Wow. Wow. 147 transactions and you're not using a CRM. Unbelievable. And so these, um, let's go to, uh, I want to get granular and then, there, and then I want to get into your mindset. I not be a role model here is what I'm saying. No, I you know it's super interesting. What I find is that there's so many ways to operate in this business and there is a common denominator that very few people recognize or talk about. And even though we're talking the granular aspects of, of being in real estate, working and talking with you right now, it's just proving a point to me and how important that there's one common denominator. And we'll get into that in a minute. Okay. But you started generating these leads through Zillow. So basically for some of our listeners here in Canada, don't know who Zillow is. Zillow is a portal in the United States. Most agents do now, but um, basically they aggregated all the listings pretty much as much as they could in the United States and then um, developed lots of traffic. And then you could advertise on Zillow pay them a certain fee. And then of course leads would be sent to you and people inquiring about a property from there. How did you convert? I, on, I was 
I don't know. I, I think I'm a very good communicator in the sense that I like to explain things. And to this day, that is my number one thing is I will explain things throughout. Like, I, I'm not just, hey, let's go look at a house. Let's buy a house. I'm very in the beginning, like, okay, are you, are you bank approved? Like, what are you looking for? Okay. Like, I just want to understand each person that I talk to without getting right into the buying the house part. So I, and I don't pressure anybody. I tell everyone I'm as fast as you are, or I'm as slow as you are. So if you want to go see 10 houses a day, let's go. If you call me once a year, cause you're looking for that diamond in the rough, great. So I had a lady the last week say, we're going to use you because you're the only agent that didn't harass us. And I'm thinking, right now I don't even have time to harass anybody but it's if they want to buy a house they're going to buy a house you don't need to harass them if they want to list a house they're going to list a house so I think I'm just very 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 laid back and I have a very even temperament about things that I think I come off as somebody and I do care I don't it's not about the sale for me it's about the client and I know by caring about the client I make the sale so it's just got it me normal you know so being a normal human being. Yes. You can't train that. And that's the hilarious part. So people always ask me, what are you doing? And I'm like, I just really like my job and I really care about my clients and I'm good at it, but you can't, I don't, I guess you say you can train it. I've listened to your podcast. So tell me how. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you, you, so you're what I call it an unconscious competence, right? Where you're competent in what you do, but you don't know how you just do it. And that's magical. And I love interviewing that because what I see in you is that you just really care a lot. And what's really interesting is that in the game of real estate, of course, there's no income initially. Um, there's big spend um, that you have to put out. And uh, how did you get over the fear of not having any money and hoping and dreaming and wishing for a deal? I didn't set my expectations very high. I opened up a credit card and I used that credit card because I was making not very much money back then. So I charged everything to the credit card and I said, if I at least get one transaction, I can pay off the card. And then if I get another transaction, I can pay off the other debt. And then after that, it's just fun money. I kept telling myself, and we were pregnant with our first child. And I thought, well, then I'll have money to buy my child, you know, things or go on vacation. So I kept making it not something that I was living up to a high expectation because I didn't want to fail, I guess. So I just kept saying, well, if I do good, then this. And so I just, I just wasn't too, I already had credit card debt, let's be honest. So, cause I had traveled and been to Austria, I had been everywhere. So at that point I was just racking up just a little bit more. So right. <laughs> I just, you can't scared. And it was one of those, I knew if I didn't do well at it, it wasn't the end of the world. You would just move on and do something else. Right. So let's put this into context, right? I think it's great. Yeah, I didn't quit my day job though. And a lot of people are doing that these days. And I, I did not quit my day job. I was, very conscientious about that like I needed to have a day job and income and even when I got really busy it took me quite a while to get the nerve to quit the day job that's right I mean you were still in debt though and then you jumped in the game of real estate I mean put yourself further into debt um use the job to manage your cash flow and expenses to pay you know for food and living things that we all need and then jumped into the game of real estate and hope and wished and let's do a deal. It's interesting about you say, but your expectations, you know, even though you said you didn't have high expectations, my belief is that you probably in your gut, you had high expectations. You wanted to kill it. But the truth was you didn't put yourself in a state of fear. You were like, you know what? I'm just going to focus on the one transaction. And there's a, there's a feeling where you get when you, when you're not stressed out and you're just like, I'm doing this, but 
I'm not worrying about making 300 grand. I'm worried about one deal yes. and then moving on to the next deal yeah. and having an expectation. So I know that deal is going to come, but I don't know when. I always wanted one happening at a time back then. If I could have one deal happening at a time back then, I felt good. So, and if I didn't have one thing happening at a time back in the early days, it would stress me out because then I felt like this wasn't going to work out. That's right. That's right. Um, when, was <laughs> like, do you use anything now today, like a drip campaign to follow up with people to keep them in your database? Or? I, I have Facebook and everyone tags me and says hi to me. And it's, I know some people hate Facebook, but it's the number one way I stay in contact with all my clients because they're able to watch me as a person on there. I'm not on, honestly, if you look at my Facebook, I'm not self-promoting my real estate very much. It's more like, look at my chickens. Look at my six-year-old dressed in gold pants chasing the chickens. And my clients see me as a normal person. Yes, I will post, you know, big events if I get the Hall of Fame or if I win an award, but I try very hard not to let that be the main focus of who I am on my personal page. But that's why I think I connect so well with my clients is they see me as a person. They don't see me as a realtor first, they see me as a person. Right. Do you, do you, if you don't mind me asking this question, do you, when you meet someone, do you friend them on, like you and I friended this morning on Facebook, which is really great. I'm excited to watch you. But do you do that with your, with your prospects and clients? Honestly, no. Like it's one of those, like, it's a weird little, it's like almost like a dating game because I won't add them up front. A lot of times they'll add me. If someone adds me, absolutely. But if I go through the transaction and I feel very like, oh, I love this person, right. and then they pop up on someone I may know, yes, I'll hit add. But in the beginning, I don't add anyone, usually until the transaction is closed. So, God. or unless they, add, unless they add me first, but I'm not on there looking. It's just, you know how your phone is, it pops up and says, you might know this person. So it's, I wait for them to add me unless I'm like, oh, I love her, I'm just gonna add her. I'm just gonna add her. Um, you're bucking the traditional way of running um, yes, um, and growing a real estate business by our conversation today. Um, my, not like that. <laughs> I love it. I think it's great. I think what you're doing is just showing that there's something underneath. There's something underneath why people produce. And I think there's, I think it's a bit more esoteric and, and I think you have to vibe in a certain way for people to want to work with you and you there you will attract your own tribe yes referrals have been amazing the referrals have been amazing yeah when you look at um your business today have you contemplated adding in some admin staff because i'm looking at 147 transactions um i'm not sure how much hand holding you have to do through the entire transaction Different states are different, of course. Here, um, once a transaction is firm, at that point, the lawyer takes over, and then we're just doing nicey. Oh, you know, I don't have lawyers out here. No. I do everything. So, I have control issues. I don't, the idea of hiring staff, like there's people in my office when they hit 40, they get an administrative <laughs> assistant, a transaction coordinator, or an uh, agent that can help them with showings. And I, I've always, even in school, I've always had trouble giving away my own work because I don't know if anyone can do it the way that I will do it. So I end up doing my own paperwork, my own transaction rooms, my own 
paper, but I handhold every day. I have a spreadsheet and I will follow up with every client every day, even if it's to say, hey, Jim, I don't have any news today. And they'll write back, thank you. So I just go through it every day to make sure that I've said hello, even if there's nothing new. But I, you know, title companies out here handle everything. So I contact them, insurance, inspection. So I just do it all. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. so he, lawyers would handle it. We don't have title companies. Okay. So they would do that with the title. That's strange. Right? And so here they would say title companies are strange, right? Right? So it's, it's, so basically they're functioning in the same way. Yes. And I don't know. The title company, that's all beyond me, obviously. I don't. The title search and everything they're doing to get it to closing, I don't. I'm not involved in any of that. They take care of that. Right. And now your day-to-day, if you don't mind me asking, you're, you, know, you wake up in the morning, you come to the office. I mean, what does a typical day look like for you? Because there's agents here, man, they're doing 15 deals, 20 deals, and they think they've, they're, just make, they're just doing great. So <laughs> they can, you can kind of get them a glimpse into your world. With the virus, everything's been different. So when the kids are in school in the school year, I would drop them off at school and head usually maybe to the gym by the office first, just because you know you'll never get it done if you don't go first thing in the morning. And then I would go sit and work as much as I could get done paperwork until I needed to go to an inspection or a showing. But my days, I mean, some days I was out driving around at 10 o'clock at night the other night showing a house because the agent on the house said we had to get there right then. And I'm not going to let someone lose a house because I'm too lazy to go show it. So I was out showing at 10 at night. And some days I'm done by three o'clock and I go home and hang out with the kids or I take a three hour break and go, you know, hang out and swim with them. So I, I don't have any day that's the same with the virus. I've been home a lot more. and I've done a lot less paperwork and I'm trying to catch up on that right now. But I, there's no day that's the same. But if my kids are home, I'm home a lot more working from the computer there. If my kids are at school or this week they're at camp, then I'm going to be in the office trying to catch up. But otherwise, I will show as much as I need to and work as much as I need to. And the paperwork comes second. So when you break down your business today, would you look at what percentage of business are you still pulling from Zillow or any of the other lead generation companies? That's the only one I really use. It's just too, it's too convoluted and too much to do too many. Um, I would say 50% referral, 25% people that just find me online maybe and look up my reviews. I have a lot of reviews on that website as well. And then maybe, maybe still 20% from online generation, I would say. Got it. Got it. And so there people actually look at your reviews and reach out to you. Yeah. So I, I'd say about, two to three times a week, I will get a direct email or a phone call from someone that found me off my reviews saying, it's kind of like when you go to Chinese food and you're in a new city and you look up reviews. So that's how I look at my reviews is if I'm going to hire someone that I don't know, I'm going to look at their reviews. And I feel that's what people are doing. So that's been huge. I follow up with every client and ask them to leave me a review as long as I think they will leave me a good one. <laughs> at least you're honest. Otherwise, we just say, have a good, good day. So. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, Zillow hasn't made any real, um, any traction here in Canada. Um, I can't believe that. I thought it was everywhere. They're trying, but, you know, we have a very comprehensive system that's unified across the country. So um, they haven't been able to make a a lot of uh, third-party sites like that. So we we have what they call data distribution sites where my, my site personal site, you know, aggregates all the data and I can aggregate all the data across Canada if I wanted to. So, you know, so each, most agents have their own data aggregation sites. Okay. 
So there's hundreds of thousands of websites out there today. So there wasn't, in, there's a main portal, which is Rotary.ca, but it's, 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 it's not, it wasn't as fragmented as the U.S. And that's what gave Zillow the opportunity. I'll have to look into that and see how you guys do things out there. I think it's working for you, right? So, you know, I, I don't know if I would change what you're doing and I don't think it'll benefit you, but um, we can always have that conversation. This might have go back to your last question. People ask all the time, why don't you form a team for more business or why don't you delegate for more business? And I think it comes down to that one-on-one -on -one interaction that you have with your client. And I, I do worry that if I had a team and I was delegating things out, the referral stream would disappear down the road because I am no longer the one that had that interaction with that client. And I don't know what that interaction would be with somebody else with the client. So I will be losing the direct referrals by giving those away. So. It makes a lot of sense to me. And I understand that control. It's, it's a very competitive business. Very few people survive in this business. And once you have something that works for you, it's very difficult to transition to another model right? It was like watching Tiger Woods trying to change his swing. It just, you know, it was, it was painful to watch for a while. Yes. So let me ask you a question. Like, so let's get into the mindset of the game and why you, like what makes you so special? You know, there's a, a zillion other agents out there today who are failing miserably. Um, why you, like what, what, like how is that working for you? I, I need to get, understand that. I get asked that a bit, a lot from other agents in yeah. town in a nice way. And I, I just don't, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with mindset. I, I have a very even temperament and I don't, I know that sounds silly, but I think a lot of people get very worked up very easily, whether it's in their own self doubt or with some, a transaction that's not maybe going, I just can always step back and it's, you know, it's going to get taken care of. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to quit my job over it. So I think I just, and like you said, the competency thing, I do think I always want to learn new things every day. I don't think I'm right. So if I, if something comes up, I will find the answer. And I'm the first person to say, Hey, I'm an idiot. And I gave you the wrong answer. Let's fix it. So I, I'm always willing to learn. I don't think I'm right all the time. And I am able to sit back and let things kind of play out even in the craziest of situations. So that's not really a good answer. I don't, you know, if there was some magical, I think if there was a magical way to sell this much, I would probably sell that technique to others. And, you know, the way that other like Tom Ferry or those people are, I, I don't even have an answer. So I have nothing to sell because I don't have a good answer to that. So. Right. Yeah. It's not like you're operating in fear then. Like you're like inside your mind. Do you ever worry about making any money? Um, when the virus started, there was a good day or two. We were in California visiting. We were supposed to be visiting family. They did not want to see us because of the virus. So we ended up, we went to SeaWorld and met some dolphins instead. But they, when we were coming home and everything was shutting down, I remember thinking, what if this is it? Like, what, now what do I, if everything shuts down and the market and mortgages go away, am I going to have to get a day job? And that, the idea of sitting at a desk nine to five working for someone else scares me so if i my it scares my husband too because he's been a stay-at-home dad helping with the lifestyle you know our family for so many years that the idea of ever going back to the norm of what it used to be is just terrifying so if i have to work till midnight every night to make sure that that doesn't happen i'm willing to so 
has that driver, has that been a driver for you? So some people operate from fear and some people operate from inspiration, right? Yes. I operate from fear. Just like I, I know, like if things get really bad, I can move really fast. But to be inspired for something, I better be really inspired. I, so I grew up within a family that was, it, it was, I grew up in a self, you know, like entrepreneur, like my dad was a pastor and then a writer and they, I mean, they never had stable income or jobs. And we grew up with that paycheck to paycheck, like knowing the, the money was never there, I guess. So I think as an adult, even when I went to college and I paid my way through school, I've always wanted to be self-sufficient. So that's been my driver, I think, is I want to be self-sufficient. I want my children to see me be self-sufficient. And I want to give them a good life without them worrying the way that I worried growing up. I want, you know, I just want them to be happy and fulfilled and not be worried that we're not going to pay our mortgage payments or pay. it's it seems silly but i know there's another really successful agent in my office we grew up very similarly and i think that's been a driver so then i come back to my children and i think oh well now i'm giving them this great life how can i make them appreciate it and be self-sufficient like i am so i guess my only concern right now is making sure they see how hard i'm working so that they can be self-sufficient as they become adults whether they're realtors or not like you know right. Yeah. So the drive is, I think for me, self-sufficiency and taking care of myself and living a life fulfilling, traveling and doing things like that without having to struggle to do that. So you take someone like you, for example, you, you raised in a, you know, it sounds like a great home. Um, money was a challenge um, in the family. Um, and typically most people would just perpetuate the same style of life right they wouldn't perform at a higher level they would just continue being because they're programmed to be that way they they just automatically were they see and monkey see monkey do monkey be monkey be right we become what we see we become our environment you shifted and that's really intriguing to me why would someone shift and what enabled that shift there, there was a decision somewhere and i'm trying to nail down that decision i think it's, it's i didn't I, even when i got out of college and you're still working all these remedial jobs and barely i was living in san diego paying for a room in a house that was probably a mortgage payment for someone out here in nebraska it, it just doesn't feel good it doesn't feel good maxing out your credit cards every month it doesn't feel good doing a job that's not fulfilling it's like I love my job so whether I work 40 hours a week or 90 hours a week I love it and it's that corny old school saying if you love what you do you're not working so that's I think I just wanted to do that but I didn't want a glass ceiling I didn't want someone to say you make 40,000 a year and that's your income I well if I'm gonna work five times as hard I want to have unlimited income potential so that I can put it back I save my money I mean I'm not out you know, I bought my kids a pool this summer. That was my big splurge. With the virus, I thought, I'm buying a pool. I don't care. So, there is I a know. denominator, right? Like, so the love of what you do. Yeah. The love of the process, not the outcome. The outcome is a bonus. And it's, of course, you want the outcome because, you know, it feeds your family. But the process, you have to love it. And if you're not fully engaged in that part of it every single day, you're going to love having this conversation with buying or selling a piece of property. And I get very, I, I do get very involved with my clients because I, I, I'm 
I don't even want to say I was using this word the other day, like Robin Hood, but like I can't. I can't handle any more, like I'm like the moral good sometimes of a transaction. And it's not even about making money to me. It's making sure that people are treated fairly and that they understand what's happening during a transaction. And when I meet agents that treat it like a sale only, nothing makes me more furious because it's not a sale. These are people's livelihoods. And it, it you know, some, you know, it's funny, the ones that are the high payoffs are sometimes the easiest transactions. They already know what they want and they go buy it. And then my first time home buyers that are buying these really rough properties, those are the ones that I will fight, you know, day and night to get those to go through. Whereas right. I have these easy clients. <laughs> it's just right. interesting. So. When you when you look at your day to day now with your your cultivation of your relationships, right? That is, you know, is this seems very easy for you like there's no systematized way you know certain companies will talk about 33 touches in a year or so on and so forth you're just communicating and saying you know so what if someone says i'm not really interested right now but in the future i may be like so that window that gap how are you feeling that gap then i say that sounds great let me know when you're ready (laughs) i mean i'm just it's horrible. I, I'm like, I'm like the worst person to inspire someone else right now because there is no system there. It's treating people fairly, but my communication. So I will get a lot of people that fire their agents and hire me and they'll tell me the reason that they fired their current agent is the lack of communication. So okay. they send a text message, no response. They send an email, no response. I, if you ask me something, I get back to you all the time, even if it really makes my children angry even if it makes my husband angry, because I know when you're buying a house, it's all about you. You don't really care about anything else going on outside. And if you feel like the person helping you doesn't care, it, it, it doesn't feel good. You want to feel like there's somebody there that, you know, even if it's a silly question, like, can I buy the rug in the living room at that house? Sure. Let me ask them. No problem. You know, it's just, I always follow up and I always say, you know, I'm listening and I'm here, even if it just takes two seconds to respond to a text message. Yeah, you can tell you really do care. Um, when do I have clients that are difficult? Yes, I don't want you to think this is all, you know. Yeah, like, do you mind sharing some of the pain that you go through? Because you've painted a, a very amazing, glorious picture of real estate right now, which I know is not the truth. I try to forget the pain. That's the problem. Okay, yeah. So let's go to the pain. <laughs> so do you get pain? Like, are there moments in time where you just hate your job? Um, it's not that I hate my job. There are just people that make it very difficult to be to be a nice person or to go on with your day without freaking out. Cause I have freaked out before we all have. And when I freak out on someone, I step, I don't, I just don't, why did I let them get you to me point that I freak out? And it's usually because the other person is either incompetent and that's hard for me when you, when you understand what you're doing and the other person doesn't or where they're just being immoral and that gets, you know, but client wise, yes, you have clients that are unreasonable and are asking for everything that they're not, you know, and I just, I'm just, I, I'm not quiet, but I, you know, well, that's not going to happen. And that's not, nor, you know, it's, you just have to get past it. I have learned to fire people. So it's been almost 10 years. And a couple of years ago, I decided if somebody is not making my life <laughs> um, happy and they're really ruining every day because of their, communication or the way they speak to me I can fire them and I can be okay with that it's not a it's not a loss it's it's a gain because now I have all that 
happiness and free time to go help another client than this client that is maybe causing me. And it's not because of price point. It's just if they have unreasonable requests, I have to understand. I fired a guy. He flew here to Lincoln. Maybe I doubt he'll listen. So that's good. He flew here from California and never met him before. And he wanted to buy an investment property. And it's the dead of winter. We're driving around looking at all these properties. And I'm thinking he flew all the way here. I mean, he is serious. Who flies across the country for no reason? He goes back home and he starts telling me his offers, not even in the realm of, you know, of an offer that anybody will accept on any type of property. So he has me drive around on my own and do video tours. And I'm sitting in the car 10 degrees one day, not hanging out with my children. And I thought, he's not even making good offers. So I fired him. And I just said, hey, I'm not a good fit. And he said, well, it, it's because you won't make much off me. I said, oh, it's not about money. It's the time that I'm taking away from other clients and my children can't get, I can't get that back. And I know with you, it's not going to work out. I'm not a good fit because I don't agree with you. And you need someone on your team that agrees with you. And I don't agree with you. So don't you want a realtor that agrees with you? So the next day, Zillow pops up. You have a new review from such and such. And I think, oh no, it's all downhill. It's going down, five-star review. <laughs> This just going raving and it was the craziest thing that I had just fired him and then he turned around and went on the internet and left me and I, I didn't know what to think of that but that was a pretty good that was a good day he still never bought anything I checked the county assessor every year yeah so. well I mean it sounds like you had some integrity to yourself and yeah. you were honest yeah. and you were said to I love that line don't you want someone who actually is on your side and agrees with you? But if I don't agree with you, I can't represent you. The best way to fire someone because they're understanding you're it's, it's not that I'm firing you because I'm too busy for you. I just don't agree with you. And if I'm buying property, I want someone that agrees with me. So you need to fire, find an agent that agrees with your offers. That was the best line I've heard in the last two weeks, by the way, I am right. still going to use that. I, I think it, because it's real and it's honest. And I think that line right now, that will be taken across the board because I think it's really, really true. I need to ask you a question. If you were going to start today, Joanna, like if you were going to say, Rich, you know, you're, you're going to start today, Rich, what would you do? Would you join a team even though you don't have a team or would you say go on your own in this environment? I would still go on your own, but with a little caveat here. So when I first started, I was approached by multiple teams, like for a year or two. Hey, you're so great. Come join our team. Come join our team. And I kept thinking, I don't want to be the, the Smith team. I want to be Johanna Rhodes. I want to be my own person. And the second you join the team, you lose your identity. And I talked to an agent the other day selling her own property as a flip. And she said to me, well, I'm only a buyer's agent normally. So I don't understand this listing side. Let me call my other agent and get back to you. And I thought, oh no, I can't imagine these people being trained as one-sided agents because how can you understand the full experience as a one-sided agent? But in our office, and I'm sure this is the same in many offices, you don't need to be on a team to help other agents. Go up to a top producer and say, can I do open houses for you? Um, if you are busy, can I do some showings for you? you? Just ask. And anybody that asks usually is met with a yes. Please, please help me. Please. Right. You don't need to join the team to get the benefit. If you're looking for referrals, that's a little different. And I guess I think those open houses is where that comes in. So you don't need to join the team for the referral. You right. To, you should just open for other agents and I know every office is different every state is different but I'm speaking from just my own experience that you don't need to join the team to be successful. Does the brand matter Joanna? Does what? Does now brand? we'll have to answer this I you know what I mean I know I know where you're at and, and there's nothing wrong I mean. I mean you know it's funny because out in Lincoln Nebraska um, 
I won't even say the name if they, if you, but there's a, there's a big company that dominates out here and they have a majority of the agents out here. And that was where I first started. And I realized quickly that people were calling me the agent, not the brand, but I was so scared. And I, it took me four or five years to leave that company, even though it wasn't a good fit because of the brand name that they have in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I just thought, well, what if people won't call me because I'm not with this company? And I got to the point that I started asking my clients, if I wasn't with this company, they're like, we don't care about the company. We care about you. Well, you know, so I don't, my broker will kill me, but I don't think the brand matters. I think the, it's like when you get your haircut, which you said you haven't had in a while, but when you get a haircut, you're going to the hairstylist. You're not going to the, the salon name. So I think for anything that you're good at in this life, it's not the company, it's the agent. It's you. It's, your, yeah. it's who are you being in the process? Yes. Right. Yeah. That, that being thing, there's a concept called be, do, have. I don't think people are calling, you know, storefront names anymore like I'll be on another thing I don't do phone duty so everyone my broker also will not agree with that but I don't do phone duty because I think most people are going on the internet and looking for realtors based off reviews or through their friends referrals they're not looking up the sign of a company that they're familiar with and calling anymore I don't think that's as common yeah I don't think as well I mean I don't I've never had a no no one calls me here but you know you're with an actually a pretty big you know, global company right now. I'm not with them for the global name. I'm with them for my actual broker and office. Like we have an amazing broker and amazing peers and I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. So I always tell them if you die, just jokingly, then I'll have to figure out a plan. But right now I'm here. So. Right. It's the people, the person yes. that's on your side. Yes. That, that I get that. Is there any advice today that you would give an agent um, if they want to get to the level that you're at? Um, this sounds counterintuitive, but don't be hungry. I know. Well, I, I mean that don't let others see that you're hungry because I think when you're working with other agents and other clients that are buying and selling, as soon as they think that you're hungry, they don't feel that they're a priority anymore. So you need to actually care about those that you're serving for the paychecks to follow. So it's, it seems silly, but if you come off hungry, you're not going to make any money. So if you really are hungry to be successful, you need to care about the process, you need to care about the client, and then all the money's going to follow. It always does. So. That's amazing. I think that's, the, the, you know, you, you summarized the best advice that I've had in the last two weeks on that process is everything in the game. And I think in any business, um, it is about the experience that that person um, participates in. Um, I know there's many other businesses that I, you know, I'm a customer of and the processes are horrible. And because we're so process driven in terms of our clients, if I don't get the service I'm looking for, or even the conversation, even if they can't solve my problem, the communication is what endears me to someone. Yes. It doesn't push me away. Right. So. And the other thing is you have to work hard. So I, I have a lot of clients that call and say, I, I, I'm like, I wonder if I make it look too easy because I have clients that will call and say, I want to be a realtor. What do I need to do? And I said, they want to make side money. And that always is interesting because it's so much work. So I always tell everyone up front, it's a lot of work. This is not something that you do five hours a week and just make big paychecks. So the more you work, the more hopefully you'll see results. But this is not something that you can do on the side if you want to make the big 
income and the big results. This has to be, you know, I eat, breathe and sleep real estate because I love it, but I still am there with my family and things. And, you know, I'm a good citizen, whatever, but yeah. you have to, you have to really be consumed by it. This is not, I think I listened to your podcast and heard one of your agents said that they don't work past five every night. And I was just blown away because I, my, you just have to be available and you have to be willing to do the work without sacrificing your personal life. So you do need to make sure that your kids and family come first, but to a degree. Uh, you still listen, I'll be honest, I got, I got three girls. My wife, my wife's my partner as well. And you know, she can, she does, she can do offers and everything. I was out doing a listing appointment last night and she was, you know, putting together an offer or dealing with an offer. We had on one of her listings and the kids are screaming in the background and, you know, it sounds really glamorous and lovely, but it's, it's, excuse my language. Oh wait, I, I can say it's my, it's a shit show some days. Yeah, I run and hide with my phone ninety with the virus with my kids home all the time. In the bathroom. We live on an acreage. I literally will go jetting out the house to get away from them as they are yelling and screaming if I have an important call where I don't feel like I can have screaming in the background. Like I have locked myself in many rooms, I have hidden in cars, like this, we were playing games last night and the phone kept ringing. I looked at him and said, Chris, I'm in the middle of a deal. I'm sorry, I gotta do this, but I'll keep playing. And my wife's like, great. She's like, you know, okay, we'll do this. And, you know, but after a while, it does. Yeah. My husband, I think is like, put your phone down sometimes. And I'm like, I can't, you don't understand. Like they're expecting an answer. I just can't. You know, it's interesting years ago, um, before where I, where we are today, we were in a smaller community and my wife was not in the game of real estate. We had three kids under three and it was if you're not in the game of real estate, you ha you can't fathom how attentive you have to be to people. Like unless you're in it and you see the nuances, the game, the up and the down, it, it, you can't, I mean, it's so easy to be judgmental about the game and, and yeah. you know, you, you, it's like, oh, you're a horrible parent. You just picked up your phone, you know, <laughs> it's a challenge. And I, and I think that it is one of the most unique businesses in the entire world. And I think if anyone can do great job in real estate, they have an MBA 10 X in any industry they could perform because it is the best training ground in the world. Multitasking and time management. I appreciate you very much. You're a, you're a role model. If anyone wanted to reach out to you today to ask you any questions, how would they best reach you? Um, however, email, Facebook. Yep. Okay. Google is an amazing thing. So. Amazing. so thank you so much for being on our podcast today. You're an extraordinary yeah. performer and um, I can only hope to be as good as you in the future. So thank you so much. You are. So thank you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you are fit to work with Peak Results Academy, here's what I want you to do next. Head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. That's peakresultsacademy.com slash call and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, what do you really want out of life and your business? Number two, what is not working for you today? And number three, the exact strategy you should be using to create massive change in these areas. Remember, changing your life and creating massive results does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We're helping clients all over the world create peak results in their health, in their businesses, and in their personal lives. To see if we can help you do the same, head over to peakresultsacademy.com slash call. We'll chat soon.